I want to continue in our series that I've been doing on the fruit of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our lives in partnership with us to develop these nine qualities that make it possible to live an amazing life. I don't want to live a good life. I don't want to live a great life. I want to live an amazing life. And that is only possible if the Lord is working in us to develop these qualities that are listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So far, we've talked about love, joy, and peace. Today, we get challenged by one that is difficult for many of us, patience. I talk to very few people who feel like they have enough patience. We live in a world that doesn't lend itself to patience. Everything's fast-paced. Everything's moving. Everything needs to happen now. And if it doesn't, we get aggravated, we get annoyed, we become impatient. You know, we tend to think of patience as, as learning to wait on things, um, not getting upset with people who aren't doing what they're supposed to do. I ran into this yesterday. We went to, down to Noblesville to go to a couple stores, and everybody was kind of thirsty, so they said, let's run through Wendy's and get three drinks. It's okay. So we pull into Wendy's, and you get to the drive-through, and I tell them I need a berry cherry fruit tea, a strawberry watermelon fruit tea, and a vanilla Coke Zero. She puts up on the little screen that I want two strawberry watermelon fruit teas and one vanilla Coke Zero. And I said, no, no, no. I need a berry cherry fruit tea, a strawberry watermelon fruit tea, and a vanilla Coke Zero. And I gave her the sizes, of course, and she put it back up there. She had the right things, but the wrong sizes. No, I need, here we go. So it comes up on the screen. I said, okay. I pull around to the window where you pay. And she says, are you the one that has two strawberry watermelon fruit teas and a cherry Coke Zero? And I said, no. I have a strawberry watermelon fruit tea, a berry cherry fruit tea, and a vanilla Coke Zero. So you want... A berry cherry fruit tea, a cherry Coke, and, and a strawberry watermelon fruit tea. No! This is now the fifth time I've recited this order. I, she, okay, she finally recites it correctly. I pay for it. We pull up to the window. We get our drinks. We pull away. Sue has her berry cherry fruit tea. I have my strawberry watermelon fruit tea, and Becky has a cherry Coke. <laughs> Sue said, you know, we could go back. I said, no, no, I will not go through it. You know, I, w 
it's a good thing I was about to preach on patience. Because <laughs> there was a part of me that, that was not going to respond well to that. But, you know, that's just life, isn't it? Even when we think something should be fairly routine or fairly simple, and it's not, we tend to lose it. We get impatient. But in the Bible, when, when you start looking at the word patience and how it's used, it really goes deeper than just learning to not get annoyed when things don't go your way or you have to wait on something. Patience is actually applied most of the time to trouble and hardship and suffering, and learning to hold on to our faith and to trust in God even when things aren't going well. Patience equates to endurance and perseverance. And sometimes they use the word long-suffering. But they all are connected to that word patience. And that's kind of where I want to go with it this morning. And we're going to be using a scripture in Hebrews 12, the first three verses. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, and that's on page 1877 if you're using the Pew Bible. We need that kind of patience. We need patient endurance. We need perseverance because we all know life can get hard. Uh, I don't think there's anyone in this room that would say, well, I don't think life is hard. I think life is just easy all the time. Um, there are days when life is easy. There are days when I start out in the morning and I tell Sue, here's what my day's like. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. I'm going to get this much done, and then I get to do that. And it works out exactly that way. I come to the end of the day and say, boy, this was a great day. Everything just worked out the way I planned. But for every day like that, I have three that aren't like that. Days where no matter how carefully things are planned, things don't turn out that way. Other things happen. The phone rings and the schedule changes. Um, I encounter problems I didn't know I was going to have. Life can be hard. And we need that patient endurance to deal with these troubles that come our way. Developing patience is kind of like building up your, your muscles. Um, now, I, I'd like to tell you I know this from personal experience, but if you look at me, you can see it's probably not true. Um, but I, there are a couple of approaches to building up your muscle. If the goal is just pure strength, if you want large muscles, you want to you hit the weights and use heavy weights and do a few reps with heavy weights. And that will build up that strength. If your goal is endurance, say I'm a runner and I want to build up my leg muscles so I can run for 26 miles in a marathon... I don't want big bulging muscles. I don't want to hit the weights and use real heavy weight for a few reps. I want to use lighter weights but do more repetitions. 
Heavyweight a few times builds up strength. Lighter weight more times builds up endurance. And that's also true in our lives. I find many times that I can handle the big problems easier than I can handle a whole bunch of little ones. Because when the big problem comes, I can focus on that one thing. And I can deal with it. But when I go through my day and it's just this little thing, that little thing, this, it, they just start piling on. Have you ever had this conversation with God? There are times when I look up to heaven and I say, Lord, if one more thing happens today, I, I think I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Just one more thing. You know, that, that proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. You just feel like, and they're all, no one thing is that big. But they just keep coming, and there's a lot of them. And, and that's where we need to allow the Spirit to develop in us this patient endurance so that we can handle the things that come into our lives. So let me share five things with you that can help us work in partnership with the Holy Spirit to develop this fruit of patience. The first thing is we need to embrace our adversity. Embrace our adversity. Uh, the Bible tells us that when trouble comes, there are two ways to look at it. There's, there's two perspectives you can have. One is, you can say, woe is me, look at what I have to experience and, and deal with. Another perspective is to say, this could be an opportunity, a building block for me to grow my faith and to learn to trust God more. That's what James was talking about. He said, consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Paul picked that up in Romans 5. He said, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So do we see the hardships in our lives as stumbling blocks or roadblocks, or do we see them as building blocks of our faith? I'm going to show you a video clip. Let me set the scene for you. It's from the movie Evan Almighty. Have you seen this movie? It was kind of a follow-up to Bruce Almighty. In Evan Almighty, there, um, there's a modern-day Noah. God has called upon uh, this man to, to build an ark in his backyard. <laughs> and you can imagine how much that would upset your life. It upset his work life. He began to act different. He began to look different. All these animals started showing up to get on the ark. And, and his wife is about at her wit's end. She doesn't understand why he's doing this, uh, why he's allowing all of their life that they had planned to just go out the window in order to do this new thing. And so she's sitting in a restaurant uh, having lunch, and 
God shows up. God is Morgan Freeman. And he is her waiter in this scene. And I want you to hear the conversation they have. Oh, excuse me. Can I get a refill, please? Coming right up. Excuse me. Are you all right? Yeah. No. It's a long story. Well, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. My husband? Have you heard of New York's Noah? <laughs> the guy who's building the ark. That's him. I love that story. Noah in the ark. You know, a lot of people miss the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. What is the story about then, the ark? Well, I think it's a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals showed up in pairs. They stood by each other, side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the ark side by side. But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? A lot of people to serve. Enjoy. <laughs> if you pray for patience, does God just give you patience? Or does he give you opportunities to be patient? I like that. You know, that's why they're called the fruit of the Spirit and not the instant gratification of the Spirit. You know, it would be great if I could read that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and pray for them, and God would just, boom, give them to me. I have all of these things now in my life, and I have them in abundance. I'm a new man. Wouldn't that be great? But that's not what he does. Each and every one of these nine things, you pray for them, and he begins a work in you. You know, think about fruit. Uh, you don't get instant fruit, do you? How many of you have fruit trees? Yeah, have you got fruit trees? Why? <laughs> Why, Dan, do you have fruit trees? <laughs> When we built our house out in the country, we got two acres, and my wife comes up with a big smile on her face and says, oh, we can have lots of fruit trees. And I said, no, we can't. Fruit trees are messy. You know where all that fruit ends up that you don't pick? Under the lawnmower. And you wouldn't pick it up before you mowed, would you? No. No, she would not. 
Uh, I mean, fruit trees require some effort if you really want good fruit. And I just didn't want to deal with that. I wanted trees that produced leaves. And I could sit under those leaves on hot days like today's going to be. I I just didn't want to deal with fruit trees because fruit requires effort. The fruit of the Spirit is that way. The Holy Spirit works in partnership with us. God gives us opportunities to be more loving, to experience more joy in our life, to have more peace, to be more patient. And so we need to embrace our adversity and realize when trouble comes into our lives, God is opening the door to opportunity to learn to be more patient, to develop that endurance, that perseverance that we need to trust him more. Second, I want you to draw inspiration from those who have endured before you. If you back up from, from or if, yeah, if you look at Hebrews 12, that's that verse I told you to, to read. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I used to think that meant that up in heaven, there was like this opening where people in heaven could look down to earth. And that they lined this opening with bleachers. (laughs) And, And the people in heaven filled these bleachers and they all sat up there going, come on, you can do it. Just believe. Be more faithful. Pray. Don't do that. You know, that they're up there. That's the, that being a cloud of witnesses means they're witnessing, they're seeing us. That's really not what it means. A witness is also somebody whose life is a witness for us. It's a testimony to their faith, to their goodness, to their perseverance and endurance. And that's what he's talking about. If you back up one chapter from where I was to Hebrews 11, you find a whole list of people who experienced great hardship and adversity in life, but who embraced that adversity and developed endurance and perseverance. And they said, look to them. Look to them. When you're discouraged, when you're frustrated, when you want to quit, look to them. Have you ever had times in your life when you wanted to quit something? Maybe you did quit something. I've had a bunch of those times. When I was a Boy Scout, they took us out to the pool early one evening and said we were going to do a mile swim. And I'm thinking, that's not a big deal. I can run a mile in, you know, eight, nine minutes. That's not a big deal. Have you ever tried to swim a mile? It's a whole different ball game than running a mile. I dove in that pool and I, boy, I'm going at it. I swim about three laps and I pop my head up. Are we about done? He said, no, you haven't quite got a quarter of a mile yet. <laughs> it took me almost an hour to swim a mile. And I really wanted to quit. Do you know why I didn't? Because I had this great sense that one should continue what they start. No. Nobody else did. 
And I'm not about to be the first quitter in my scout troop. <laughs> Nobody else quit, so I wasn't going to quit. And that's the idea here. You have this great cloud of witnesses of people who didn't quit on God, people who did not give up on God, people who stayed strong even in the midst of the hardest of times. And they said, look to them. Draw your inspiration, your encouragement from them as you go through your own hardships in life. Number three, get rid of what is holding you back. Back to Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Get rid of whatever is holding you back. What is hindering you in your walk of faith? What is entangling you? What, what sin might be in your life that is entangling you and keeping you from living an amazing life with our Heavenly Father? Throw them off. The things that hinder, the things that get in our way, and the things that entangle. I like those words. They, they create a, a meaningful picture for me. I, have you ever had this experience, no matter how carefully you roll up rope, or say a long extension cord, and put it away neatly, the next time you get it out, it's all tangled up. There are gremlins who sneak into garages and sheds and tangle up your ropes and extension cords. I believe that. Yesterday we went out to mark the softball field. I had a 300 foot length of rope that I had rolled and rolled and rolled, put away. I got it out yesterday. I took it to the ball field. We started, uh, it, it was knotted up. It was tangled. It was getting caught all around my feet. I thought, what is wrong with this? Oh, I'm preaching on patience tomorrow. Okay, no problem. <laughs> no, it, and that's what, there are so many things in this world that will hinder and entangle you from your walk of faith. And the author of Hebrews says you got to throw them off. You got to recognize them. You got to throw them off. Renounce the option to quit. Renounce the option to quit. I told you I wanted to quit the mile swim. I didn't. Um, there have been so many times in life when if I knew I could quit, I probably would. When I do premarital counseling with couples, quite often I tell them that marriage is renouncing the option to quit. You can't leave yourself a back door. You can't leave yourself a bridge to your former life. Because if you do, when things get hard, you'll probably use it. No, marriage means burning that bridge, sealing up that door, and knowing that the only way you can go is forward in your life. That's what God wants us to do. Following Jesus is hard. 
I make no apology for that. And I don't try to sugarcoat it and convince people that, well, you know, being a Christian is just a fun way to live. It's a hard way to live. My life would be easier if I were not a pastor or a Christian. But I've chosen to believe in Jesus, and I've chosen to serve Jesus with my life because it's what he wanted me to do. And it brings a certain level of hardship and trouble with it. But that's okay, because it also brings an even greater level of blessing and promise with it. And finally, stay focused on the end goal. Stay focused on the end goal. Let me get back to Hebrews here. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know what Jesus was thinking about when they were dragging him from place to place uh, through a series of mock trials? Do you know what Jesus was thinking about when they were beating him with those whips, when they were crushing thorns down on his head? Do you know what Jesus was thinking about when they hammered nails in his hands and feet and he was hanging there on the cross suffering and dying? He wasn't thinking about all of the hurt that he was going through. He was thinking about heaven. It said that he endured the cross for the glory of God. He came from the right hand of God, and that's what he was looking forward to. For 33 years, he had entangled himself in this sin-filled world. And now it was almost time to go home. It was almost time to leave behind all the suffering and the hardship and go home to the glory of God. That's what he was thinking about. And that's what we need to think about. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. When you fix your eyes on something, you're focused on it. You're staring at it. You're not getting distracted going, oh, I'm going to look over here or over here. No, I'm... I'm fixed. I'm focused. And we need to keep our lives fixed and focused on Christ. And the harder life becomes, the more pressure we experience, the more intense our focus on Jesus needs to be. And that will produce in our lives this patient endurance and perseverance. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. Let us pray. God, I am so grateful that your Spirit works within us to do this good work. We cannot be patient on our own. Our sinful human nature is anything but patient. It's not natural to us. It's not normal to be patient to have endurance and perseverance in times of trouble. Our natural response is to say, I want it to go away. I want it to stop. But Lord, I pray that day by day, no matter what the troubles of life may be, 
we would keep our eyes firmly fixed on you and the glory that you have waiting for us in your kingdom. No matter how tough life gets, there's a better day coming if we will just endure and persevere in our faith. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first step to patience is to put your belief and faith and trust in the one who embodies patience, and that's Jesus. Was there ever a more patient person that walked the face of this earth than Jesus Christ? Was there ever one who exemplified endurance and, and perseverance more than Jesus Christ? And he did it for us. He did it so that we could rise above our sinfulness and know him and have a place with him forever. If you're here this morning and don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want you to. We want you to accept him, to put your trust in him, to invite him to begin that work in your life to create that fruit of patience. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing hymn number 455, verses 1 and 2, and I invite you to come. Let us stand. <laughs>